This week, uh, we're continuing our series on real church. And what I want to talk to you about, and I'm going to start with this. There's a guy that's on TV right now. He does commercials. He used to be known as the Verizon guy. Okay? Now he's the Sprint guy. And for the right amount of money, he could probably be the AT&T guy tomorrow. All right? Or the T-Mobile guy or Straight Talk guy. I was going to put a picture of my... I, I was going to put it up there. I forgot to do it. But what I'm trying to say is we are bombarded every day with people that are actors. And these actors are good. They can make you believe they are who they pretend to be. Like this guy, I mean, you can believe that he had a, a the, the new Sprint guy that used to be the Verizon guy, he had a Holy Ghost moment or something that made him want to switch from Verizon to Sprint. Whoa. I'm pretty sure a contract was put in front of him. He said, yeah, I like Sprint. No offense. That's not, I mean, that's, I'm not, that is what advertising is. That is what movies are. Have you ever looked at somebody who's really evil in a play or a movie and then you see them in real life and they're actually really nice and it's kind of confusing? Wait, you're nice? They're actors. They're putting on a show. They're doing something. They're trying to sell us something, whether it's selling us a movie or a TV show or something like that. They're, trying, they're being somebody that they don't necessarily are passionate about. They're just passionate about doing their craft. They will switch back and forth. They will become... Uh, they're actors. I know it's confusing. Sometimes you'll see an actor, and we were watching a movie the other day, and my kid said, isn't that actor usually a comedic actor? Now he's a serious actor, and now he does this. And, now, and it's just like people move all over the place because they're actors. And, and I can be honest with you, there are actors that are great, but there are actors also that are taking advantage of us. There are actors, in, especially within the church, there are people that are peddling things, and acting a certain way, and they're, they're false messengers. They're not preaching with conviction. They're preaching with, what can I get out of it? They're not preaching the true gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching another gospel that sounds better. Or maybe it's more with the times. You know, it's like, oh, that old gospel that you've all believed, I've got the new way. Everybody's got this new interpretation that we haven't discovered in 2,000 years. But thank God this one person came up with a new interpretation that allows us to sin in a way that we never thought we could. Because it's new, right? We, I mean, everybody before me was wrong, and I'm right. And so what we have in our world is a whole concept. In Paul's day, they had this too. They had people within the church, and they were false messengers. And he's going to go as far, and I wanted to call it Satan's Messengers today, but I thought that title would be a little extreme, but he calls them that. He calls them messengers of Satan. Even though they are preachers, even though they are leaders in the church, even though they are called apostles, they call themselves apostles, even though they claim this, they are messengers of Satan. Have you ever gone to a sermon, listened to a teacher, done something like that, and been incredibly moved by their speech? But when you get done with it, you're like, I don't think I learned anything, but I cried, I laughed, I felt something. Okay, there are people that can do that. There are people that are just amazing. I mean, James Earl Jones, I mean, come on. Just start speaking, you're like, whoa. Whatever he says has to be correct. The sky is red. I believe it. 
You know, it's just, it, it just sounds great. I mean, there's certain people that just have that conviction and they can speak and you just want to say, oh, that's so impressive. But we need to understand that it's not just about making you laugh or making you cry or making you feel. Because actors can do that. You're crying with an actor who's not really hurting. Okay? You're laughing with somebody that maybe not even be that funny, but the person behind them wrote a nice line for them. But we still it's okay to enjoy that. It's okay to do that. But when it comes to times of truth, when it comes to this is what is real and this is what is not real, we should not be looking for what is the shiniest or what is the best actor, but what has the best presentation. It's kind of like when you're buying a car. Although I'd say this is true, some people buy a car because they see that the, this one has the best commercial. And there's a reason. Maybe the one that has the best commercials because their product is so bad, they need to have a really good commercial so somebody will buy it. Or another thing, we need to find out what is good and what is proper and what is true. So Paul is going to talk about this in this passage. And he is going to, this is in 2 Corinthians 11, and he is going to talk about in his day who are false teachers and how can we spot them? And what is their tactics? And where do their tactics come from? And so when we go through this, Paul is going to be defending his true ministry, but also pointing out what we should be looking for. Because it hasn't changed much. One thing you find out when, you, when we're doing this series on real church, the reason we're calling it real church is this is the way church is today. There are people within the church world who are false. There are people within the church world that have great presentation, but don't have much to say. And there are people with poor presentation that have all kinds of things to say. Paul's going to talk about that. And so let's just go through this right now. What is it that false preachers do or false messengers of the gospel? Because it not necessarily has to be a pastor. It can be someone within our church that's bringing a new message or a new gospel or something like that. I've seen it with leaders in the church, lay people. It doesn't matter. It can come from anything. What are they doing and how should we watch out for it? First thing, if you look at 2 Corinthians 11... 1 through 2, false messengers care for themselves, and I'd say more than others. Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 2, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. Now here's what Paul is trying to say. I love you enough. I care for you. And he's going to use a lot of different terms that made a lot more sense to people in their time, and I won't need to explain them to you. He says, I care for you enough that you need to bear with me in a little foolishness. He's, and he's using that term kind of as using their other terms. You think I'm foolish? Well, bear with me in a little foolishness then. Is when he say, then he says, bear with me. See the exclamation point? Bear with me. And what he's trying to say right here, he's going to confront them with love. And what happens is when a t- teacher is true... They confront somebody in love. When a teacher is false, they don't care about the person. They're caring only about maybe their message, what they're trying to get across, and they're not really looking at people and saying, I really care about you and what happens to you. And why does he care about them? He says, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Now, when we hear the word jealousy, I think we all kind of jump back and say, oh, that's a bad characteristic. Well, let me tell you about somebody else who's jealous. Exodus 25, 20 verse 5 says, You shall not bow down, this is God speaking, to them or serve them. He's talking about false gods. 
For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. So what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, jealousy in a negative sense is when you say, I saw somebody drive up today in a much better car than me. And I'm jealous and I want their car. Okay? I wish, I, I, I'm jealous. I, I, they, or they're better looking than me, they're taller than me. Figure it out. I mean, there's all kinds of things. They have a nicer hunting rifle than I do, nicer fish house. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things it could be. But that's jealous for things. But when you're jealous for somebody, it means that you look out for them and you care for them. That's the, what the word jealousy means right here. It means that you're not going to let anybody touch them or hurt them. You think about it as a parent, and this is how God speaks as a parent, and Paul is going to use parental terms here. If somebody's messing with your kid, they're messing with you. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? All of a sudden it became real personal. They're messing with me now. And I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to let this go. And when God is saying that he is jealous over us, he doesn't want us to go in a negative way. Not because he, he's mean, he's like, I'm jealous for you. But what he's saying is, I have the truth for you. And when Paul says, I have divine jealousy, I'm jealous of you. I don't want you to be hurt. I want you to be saved. I don't want you to live in sin. That's what jealousy means here. You're jealous for people that you care about. Okay, it hurts me when I see friends, people that I went to Bible college with, pastors that I know that have now had multiple affairs and have gone into, I'm jealous for them and I want them to come back to God. Okay, you understand the term here? So what Paul is trying to say, I'm jealous for you, just, and he uses the word divine, he's like, God, he said, since I betrothed you to one husband. And you say, he did what? Okay, this is a weird, this is a term we need to understand. When at this time a father would betroth a daughter to somebody and there would be a, a time of engagement. And during that time of engagement, it was the father's responsibility to make sure that the, that the woman stayed pure. He says at the end, to pre- present you as a pure virgin to Christ. What he is trying to say is, I'm here to present you as a pure virgin. I don't want you to go astray. I brought you, I've, I've pledged you to Christ. And the Bible talks about there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb. When we get to heaven, there's going to be a marriage supper of the Lamb where we're going to be joined together with Christ forever. And what he is saying is, I'm going to keep you pure. Now, there's a problem with this. They weren't perfect people. Because if you're here saying, okay, God wants to present me as a pure virgin before Christ, let me give you a little background on my past. Uh, there's not a lot of purity in my past. Now, if I had anybody to raise their hand, everybody should raise their hand on that. Just for the record... Everybody's like, well, I'm not that bad. I only did. No, everybody should raise their hand and say, we do not have pure purity in our background. All right, if you, if you are, say you don't have any bad background, you have lying problems. So there's, that's always there. Okay, here's how he describes them in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or you do not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, no men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You say, well, he's talking about other people, right? He says, and such were some of you. He says, here's who you were before I came here. But now I want to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. What does that tell us? That tells us how amazing God is. 
Because there's not one of us that can walk before God and say that we have it all together. You can say, well, I used to be a drunkard. I used to be a swindler. I used to be a thief. All of these things. You know what? When God washes us clean, we appear before him. That's amazing. God doesn't remember our sin. But what's the difference? False messengers will tell you what you want to hear. Know what they'll tell you instead? You know what? This whole thieving thing, we can really look in the Bible, and maybe that was just culturally bound. You know, you're not really thieving when you steal on your taxes. You're not really thieving if you, if you steal natural gas or cable or whatever. You're not really thieving. You're just providing for your needs. That's what a false teacher will do. They're not looking out for you. They're looking out to make you feel good about yourself, but they're not telling you the truth because the goal is to make you a pure virgin before Christ and to take you out of this life. They care about their relationship with you, so they are loyal to them and not to God. But a true teacher will challenge you. There will be times when a true teacher will make you mad, will frustrate you. When they tell you the truth, there are things that I read in the Bible and I say, can I unread that? Maybe I'm the only one. Okay. You mean I have to be nice? You mean I can't act that way? I can't throw a temper tantrum? You mean I can't hold a grudge? You mean I can't do this? No, God has called us to a higher standard. But false teachers, and we see a lot of them out there, they don't care about you. They care about making you happy. And not, and not happy in the sense of pure happiness, but they care about telling you what you want to hear. You know what? You're perfect just the way you are. You know, you were an idolater, practicing homosexuality, whatever. It's okay. It's okay. We've decided that we found a new loophole. You can just do these things now. No, a true teacher will tell you, you know what? That's what you were, but that's not who you're supposed to be in Christ. That's a true teacher. So watch out for false messengers that come up with new ways to sin. And not call it sin. Just call it an alternative. I have an alternative thieving lifestyle. Okay? I have an alternative lying lifestyle. You just have to deal with me. I was born as a liar, so thus... You have to live with me. I've heard people say that. I, I have a bad attitude because my parents had a bad attitude. These people were told, idolaters, swindlers, all that, says that's what you used to be. That's not who you are in Christ. Time to grow up. Next thing, a false messenger will twist truth. But they will sound really intelligent and smooth doing it. Man, will they sound good. They'll make it, they'll twist it and make it good. And here's the example Paul says in verse 3, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you re- received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put, it up, you put up with it readily enough. In, indeed, I consider that I'm not in the least inferior to those super apostles, Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Okay, what he's trying to say here is there are false teachers that will come in and they will draw people away from a pure devotion to Christ. And they have an alternative system of what they're trying to do. And you know where this comes from? The beginning. Remember Eve in the garden? 
what did God tell you? You should not eat of the apple. You know, what he really meant was, he is not that nice to you. God doesn't want you to have any fun. Have you heard, everybody heard this? I remember as a teenager, especially at that time. God doesn't want you to have any fun. If you're a Christian, it means that your life of fun is over. God wants you to be miserable, but saved. Glory. Okay? All the other kids get to have a good time. All that stuff they're doing, all the partying stuff, whoo, you're missing out. But you're still saved. This, Satan's lie is, he comes at you with cunning. Did God really say you couldn't do those things? I think about this again with the reinterpretations that keep going on on what is sin. Did God really say that being an idolater was wrong? Did God really say this? That's the lie of the devil. It's the lie of Satan from the beginning when Eve was in the garden. That's a lie. God doesn't want you to do this because he's jealous, because he wants, he thinks that you'll be better than he is. And you know what? You don't need him. You can do it better yourself. Another lie that we've all been fed, and the false teachers will feed us. You don't need that strict Christian stuff. You follow me, and I'll give you the real good stuff. You get to do, you get to sin and be saved. Because sin is fun. Well, it's not really sin now, it's alternative. You know, it's, it, we're not going to use sin. That sounds like a bad word. We're going to use your own way, which is sin. Basically, that's the definition of sin. Doing it your own way, not God's way. But this is the lie of Satan. If someone comes and proclaims that another Jesus is the one we proclaimed, and it's important that we need to that they understand is what they were proclaiming at this time was that Paul, who suffers, and we're about to read what he suffered about all the things he went through, that the Christian life should not be about anything suffering. You should not have to struggle at all as a Christian. You're a child of God. Everything should be given to you. Health, prosperity, everything is yours. Again, that's not a doctrine that's still out there, right? I mean, that's, we've gotten rid of that. No, it's, still, it's pretty much out there still. It's really bad for my African friends. In my doctoral program, I love my African friends, and they talk about this big. But it's important that we understand that there's a lot of people saying, as a Christian, you will never have to suffer. We're child, children of God. We have now had the kingdom now. Everything is in place. And then also they'll add new rules. They'll say, unless you do these certain rules and follow our ways, you're not going to do this. So they'll make up a lot of it with money. If you give enough money to me, I will release the new blessing to you. And all these little tricks that are coming out. And that's what the false teachers were doing then. And the false teachers are doing it today. And Paul really makes a subtle point right here. If you look at verse 4, he says, If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we have proclaimed. You know what the word come is right there? It's the word, I'm doing it on my own. You know what the word apostle means? Sent by God. Paul says, I was sent by God to you. These people come on their own. They're coming because they want to take advantage of you because they know they can make money off of you. I'm being sent by God to you. Do you think Paul, when he went to all these towns, you know what they did to Paul when he went to all these towns? They did not receive him well. They whipped him, stoned him, shipwrecked him, uh, hit him with canes, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then these false teachers come in and say, yeah, the guy who did all that, we're here to fix it. We're here to give you now the real truth. But Paul says, you know what? 
I came with the truth. I was sent to you. I wouldn't come and do this unless I was sent. Nobody in their right mind goes into a situation where they know they could be killed. I've talked about this, but we have missionaries throughout the world right now within the Assemblies of God in what a program called the Live Dead program. You know why they're called Live Dead? They assume that they're going to die, what they're doing. They have taken the stance that we will die for the kingdom of God when we are sent. Nobody in their right mind does that unless they are sent. But if we say, we have a great place for you to go where you can make a lot of money and live in a plush area, there's a lot of people that will come to that. Okay, they'll be like, okay, I'll take that job. No, we're going to send you where it's hard. That's what the Apostle Paul does. He says, don't let them bring you a different spirit, a different Jesus, a different gospel, where they say that Jesus wasn't the, tri- the suffering servant, he's just the triumphant Christ. Everything's great in Jesus, there's no problems. And Paul will even say, I am an unskilled speaker. And what he is saying, even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made plain to you all the things. What Paul is saying, he's not trying to say he's a terrible speaker here. A lot of people have made this out that Paul's up there stuttering or something like that. What he is trying to say is he does not use the model of that day. And the model of that day, the skilled preachers of that time and speakers, were people that were uh, speakers for hire. They were actors. They would speak on any issue you wanted to them. If you said one day this issue, now switch to the other issue, they would do that. He says, I came to you and spoke to you the truth. Because you know what matters? Not how the presentation goes, but what they say. It's what they say. There's a story that William Barclay tells of an orator who recited the 23rd Psalm. He gave it with great flourish. When he was done, he was met with great applause. He was a masterpiece of oration. Then out of the audience came the voice of a simple man the quiet and silent type who stood up and began reciting the same psalm. He did it as at the beginning with such a halting style, but there was inattention and even a few tithers of laughter in the audience. But as he continued through the psalm, the room grew quiet until there was a profound silence as the man recited the 23rd psalm. When he was finished, the place was in dead silence. The orator went over to the godly man and said to him, Sir, I knew the psalm, but you know the shepherd, and that makes all the difference in the world. So in other words, if somebody gives you a truth that sounds so good and sounds different than what you've heard, make sure it's the truth of the Bible. Okay? There are people that are are much better speakers than I am. There are people that are much better speakers than true speakers, but they are not giving you the gospel. They're, they're doing with better presentation, with maybe a laser light show that goes with it or excellent artwork or something like that. But you know what? Make sure it's from God. I know this isn't new to all of us, but false messengers have money issues. False messengers love money. They love their money. And again, this is not something that has changed. But false messengers are always talking about how their kingdom can be expanded all right paul talks about he says i paul talks about that he came to the corinthians and he did not he, he did for free of charge he says i robbed other churches now he didn't literally rob them but he's using an expression he said the macedonians gave me support and other churches so i refrained from burdening you in any way so when paul came to them he didn't say i will tell you the truth of eternal life if you just give me five thousand dollars for my new kingdom 
All right? This is worth five grand. The stuff I have today, I mean, we could charge at the door. Pastor John's got a really good sermon. Today it's $1,000. Not so good next week, $500. We'll give you a break. But today it's $1,000. Because you know if you spent $1,000, it's got to be good, right? And, so, and this is what's called the Harvard principle. But there's this principle that you charge for something that's of quality. And if you give it away for free, there must be no value to it. So uh, the speakers of this time would charge for every single talk that they gave to try to show that it was worth something. And Paul said, I came to you for free because that's how the gospel come, should come to you. You should not have to pay for it. We should not show up to a country, let's say we show up to an unreached country in North Africa and say, we are here to proclaim the true gospel. Now, if you just take up a big enough offering, we will tell you what it is. But that was the time period at this time. And even today, we have speakers that are so much about what the money comes in, what the money comes in. And you know what they do? A couple things. First of all, they distort the gospel. They distort the gospel when they make it about, if you just give enough money, God will bless you. Okay? God will bless you, and you should give your money towards God's work. But I, I, I struggle as a pastor, I struggle as, as a Christian, to see the amount of money that gets poured into causes for pastors to have a bigger mansion or a nicer jet or things like this instead of when I go to on a missions trip to a third world country and I say to myself, the money should be here. You know what? Why are we giving money to these people? Why are we building up their kingdom so they can have nicer cars and things like that? There's nothing wrong with that, that with nice cars. I'm not trying to say that. But there's, it's not about our kingdom. It's about God's kingdom. And we should be raising money and support so that God's message can go out there. Pastors should be paid a good salary, but pastors should not be paid an extravagant salary. Leaders should not be just, you know, living it up high like there's some, you know, like they own an NBA team or something. It, it's all about the message of Christ. They burden others for themselves. And you know what the, they do by this? They make it every time I do the offering, I know when I have visitors in the crowd, I can see a little look on their face like, here we go again. And I just want to thank all those people. Not really thank them. I kind of want to strangle them. I'll be honest with you. But all those false teachers out there that have taken advantage of people with money things and say, thank you for ruining it for the rest of us. Thank you for ruining it. When we're trying to raise money for actual missions and you're trying to raise money for your next luxury car and you're ruining it for the church because you make it look like we're all about money. We are about money in the fact that how we use that money for the gospel. How we use that to move the gospel into the community. It's not about enriching us. But these teachers were all about saying that Paul wasn't a true teacher, but they, they took advantage of the, of the crowd here. They took advantage of the Corinthians. They took their money. And so Paul puts a challenge to him in verse 12. He says, And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. What he's trying to say is if they're true teachers, let them do it for free. Guess what? There's a lot of pastors, if, a lot of these pastors, if they had to give up all that stuff, they wouldn't be on, they wouldn't be broadcasting. They wouldn't be in their churches. They wouldn't be doing all these things because they do it for the money. And they're giving a false message so that they can build up their own kingdom. This last thing may sound harsh, but it's true. 
I'm not going to say it. I'm going to let Paul say it. That's always the advantage of preaching from the Bible. I don't have to say it. I just let Paul say it. False messengers are from Satan. You say, oh, you just said Satan. Are we allowed to say that in the 21st century? I'm not sure. Um, you know, but you know what? That's the truth. Verse 13 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. Okay, they're disguised. I mean, that false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. You could say, well, I can, I can get that. They're false, they're deceitful, disguising themselves. And then it gets worse. But he says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants, so he's calling them servants of Satan, disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. There are people claiming to be Christian leaders, claiming to be Christian teachers that fall into this category. I'm not here to give you a list, okay? Don't, don't say, well, here they are now. On the board, you will see them all listed quickly. No. But what we need to understand is not everybody who says they are of Christ is of Christ. Not everybody who says they are doing it for the right reason is doing it for the right reason. The gospel is true regardless. But we need to understand that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Why is that? Because Satan is not going to come. If Satan came to you right now, he just popped in this room, and he came in all the big scary Satan that we see like in a movie or something like that, and said, follow me. I think we would all say no. Okay? No, that doesn't look right. But Satan likes to lie to you. Satan likes to deceive us. He likes to tell us, you know, all these little things you want to try, they're not going to hurt you. I'm an angel of light. I'm going to speak to you in a nice way and deceive you the entire time. And he says, these people follow after Satan. Now, it's interesting, all of these people that were in the Corinthian church had come out of pagan temples that Paul talks about that they were serving demons. They know what it's like to be in demonic temples. And now he's saying, you know those demonic temples that used to follow? These people that are claiming they're Christians are of the same origin. Now that's an extreme claim. And I'm not here to stamp that claim onto one pastor or one leader or one movement. But I think we need to be very careful as a church that we don't follow every trend that's out there. That we stop and we say, is this the same Jesus, the same gospel, the same spirit that Paul presented to us? that the gospel presented to us, that Moses presented to us? Or is this some new technique? Is this some new teaching? Is this a messenger of Satan coming as an angel of light saying, I have now discovered the new truth that will set you free. And the new truth is, all the stuff that was in the Bible, a lot of it we just misunderstood all these years. That's the new truth that's coming out today. We've misunderstood the Bible is more just a fluid document. You just kind of go with what you want to go with. You, you accept the things that you want to accept. But Paul is saying there's only one gospel. God is jealous for you today. God is looking at his flock today. He's looking at every one of you. He's saying, don't fall after the doctrines that are wrong. Study the scripture. Make sure when you hear something new that it's from scripture. And if somebody says, I have this absolute new way of, of just interpreting the Bible that's never been done in the last 2,000 years, be careful. 
be careful. Because I think it's important to understand that we need to understand what the gospel says and don't look at some new gospel. If there's some things that we've gotten wrong, we need to be careful about that because the Bible has been used in bad ways. But for the most part, when we look at the Bible, we need to understand that it has a simple truth to it, that we are slaves to sin, God frees us from our sin, and now he frees us to be followers of him, and he is the master of our life. He decides what is right and wrong. We don't get to decide. Just like Eve, we don't get to decide. We don't get to eat of the apple, and then we're so smart, and we're smarter, and we don't need God. You know what? We desperately need God to guide us. He knows the past. He knows the present. He knows the future. He's jealous for us. He cares for us. And that's who we need to follow. Why don't you stand with me right now? If you're, we're going to have our prayer ministers come up. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus into your life, you've never made him the master of your life, again, there are things in the Bible that are just straight up. The Bible straight up will say this. If you have two choices, either God is your master or you're mastered by, the, by Satan. It's that, the Bible does not give an in-between zone. Okay, it does not say, eh, you're kind of a free agent in the middle. No, the Bible says you are slaves to sin if you're not under Christ. Christ came to set us free. True freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from sin. Not freedom to sin, freedom from sin. And if you're here today and you are struggling under your own sin, you've never accepted Jesus Christ, you've never allowed His true Spirit to come into you, I want to give you the truth that outside of Christ... We are in trouble because we are stuck in sin. But in Christ, we are free. We are free to be the people God has called us to do. And he is jealous for us. He will guide us. He will direct us. He has given us his word. He has given us his spirit. He will put us on the right path. He will tell us what to do, not so he can restrict our freedom and joy. But the word joy means happiness in the Bible. It means God wants to make you joyful and happy. He wants to give you the best life that you can possibly have. And that life is free from the sin that is pulling you down if you've not made that commitment make that commitment today ask the lord to forgive you ask the lord to come into your life and be the master of your life so you can be free you can come and talk to one of our prayer ministers also if you're here and you've never and you just need someone to pray with you we believe in a god that heals we believe in a god that delivers we believe in a god that does great things come and be with one of our prayer ministers but what i want to tell you today is we live in a world of fake news. Okay, you've heard the term now. Fake news, fake preaching, alternative truths. Okay? The Bible and the Word of God is the only truth that we can depend on. If I don't preach to you from the Bible, question me. I give you permission. Because I am not infallible as a person. It's only what I tell you from the Word of God that's true. Question and say to ourselves, you know what? We need what truly God has called us to do. God has called us maybe to do some things that are hard. God will send us into something that is, you know, not what we thought we are going to be. But you know what? When you're in the center of God's will, you are as happy and content, because Paul will say it in the next week when we talk about it. He is as happy and as content as he can ever be. And you will hear the things that happens to Paul. And you will think to yourself, how can he be happy and content in those things? Because he is in the middle of God's will. And if you're in the middle of God's will, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to. 
Don't believe the lies of this world. Don't believe the people that are saying there's alternative truths. There's all these things that you can believe. Only trust the truth of God's word. And don't let the false teachers. Paul is saying this to his church in Corinth. He's telling us today, follow after God. Follow after the truth. Do not follow after a new gospel, a new spirit, and a new Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. We thank you today, God, for your word that can keep us straight. We thank you that for your divine jealousy, God. Because you care enough about us, God, to give us your word, to give us your spirit. You are jealous for us, God, because you care for us. The Apostle Paul is jealous for his church, and I'm jealous for this church, God. Because I want to see nothing but God's truth in the lives of the people here. Lord, lead and guide us in everything we are supposed to do. Give us your spirit, God. Give us a sense of your word so that we know the truth, that we don't start following a new gospel, a new truth, God, that's not even true, that we follow after you. And Lord, let us be a a shining light in this world, God, because as the devil used cunning, God, to draw Eve away, the devil wants to draw us all away. He wants us all to think that we're smarter than God. But you know what, God? We're not. We're not you. And we just want to be servants and followers of you, God, because you care about us and love us. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're here today and need someone to pray with, our prayer ministers are available. Otherwise, you're welcome to join us for our spaghetti dinner that's going on in the community room.